Welcome and thank you for visiting us for today's message by Dr. R.L. Davis. For more information regarding our ministry, please stay tuned until after the following message. Bibles today and go over to St. John chapter 19 for the sermon this morning. Next Sunday night is open. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. I think probably in December we'll switch back to normal, Brother Mon, whatever that means. And so let me know if the Lord lays a message upon your heart. Amen. Brother Heath will be ministering tonight. This morning for the message, I want to go to verse 30, please, of John 19. My iPad will not go to Genesis, and so I have to quote that verse. So now, when I have to buy a new iPad or reinstall something, I've already fixed it a couple of times. Well, it's been in Africa ten times. It's, it's been pretty good, you know. Throw it around, frozen. So it's, it's held up pretty good. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Turn to somebody and say, it's still finished. It's still finished. <laughs> Amen. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Father, we thank you for your living word in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. This morning we made a statement to one of the saints that it's the lamb first and the dove second. Not the other way around, you charismatics. Amen. It's in that order. The blood for salvation. At that time, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. You're, you become a new person. It takes a little time to understand that and probably eternity. But then secondly, here comes the heavenly dove, the Holy Ghost himself, which is the second work of grace in the child of God. So when Jesus was on the cross then, he said it was finished. He completed everything that needed to be done for our atonement and eternal life. Plus all the blessings that the Father has in his house are all ours. Everybody say it's mine. Now we don't deserve any of it. I know that's the deal. The only one person in the human race that deserved it and Jesus Give it up for us. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't killed by the devil. Secondly, death did not defeat him. He was not martyred, he was not executed. Because you see, God in the flesh, all human and all God at the same, per, at the same time, he had no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, and so therefore he was not subject to physical death like you and me. And so he would have never died. Satan had no control because the devil works through sin, you see. So Jesus didn't sin ever. 
Not even a wrong thought, action or deed, nothing. He fulfilled all the law, all the requirements for eternal life. In fact, in the Old Testament, when the saints would die, they would, you know, offer a lamb every year, of course. And if they had faith that that lamb represented the Messiah, then God would cover their sin for a year. And they would go home rejoicing. And that went on for thousands of years. And then the problem was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and all the Old Testament saints, they, when they physically died, their inner man, the soul, the spirit, the real us, the real you, it, it, their souls and went down into paradise, but they couldn't get out. The reason they couldn't get out, not that they were, they were not in torment, you've got to understand they were comforted in the paradise side of hell, but they couldn't get out. So Satan somehow or another held them captive because their sins were not forgiven, their sins were merely covered. But the good news is that when Jesus came and went to the cross and shed his blood on the cross to make atonement for our sins, not only are we covered by the blood, we are washed in the blood. That's the key to getting into heaven. So after Jesus died on the cross and gave up the ghost and shed his blood to make atonement, he could legally bring all the Old Testament saints out of paradise and transport them into the Father's house, which he did. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In other words, Satan held them captive, but when Jesus made atonement, Jesus took them captive. They now belong to Christ. Likewise, we belong to Christ if we have accepted his sacrifice on the cross. How many have done that? Have you told somebody that you have? Confession is made unto salvation. If you are a true believer, then you need to tell somebody that's not a believer that you are a Christian, a child of God. It's imperative that you do. And that's the reason you need the heavenly dove for the power source. Amen. Now, we all know the, the, the true account that, that Christ was resurrected. His resurrection was a result of his victory on the cross. The resurrection was not really the miracle, even though it was supernatural and miraculous. But the real miracle was that Jesus defeated everything that was against us on the cross. There's where the victory was won. The results of that victory on the cross was inevitable. He arose from the dead. And so the great apostle Paul preached the resurrection of Christ. Amen. The Sadducees did not believe it. That's sad you see for them. How many believe that Christ arose from the dead according to the scripture? Absolutely. I don't understand it all. I was thinking about it this morning, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I wrestled with it for an hour or two. It was this. Well, if the saints from Adam up to this time that have died in the faith physically go up to heaven, which they do, then do they have to breathe? Do they have to breathe? 
So this is the type of things I wrestle with. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to you, but I want to know if I've got to breathe or not when I go to heaven. <laughs> the fact is, I think there's error there because Enoch and Elijah are there. Hello. So, you know, it, maybe it doesn't mean anything, but... Well, there's no algae in heaven, no dust, no graveyards, no temples. Wait a minute. No, you're the temple. No need of the sun, moon, and stars. Christ is the light of that city. I thought about that. I mean, heaven is beyond my comprehension. A city 1,500 miles wide, long, and high. 1,500 miles. And yet it seems, well, this one person had died and went to heaven and he had asked an angel when Jesus is coming back and the angel could not say, but he did say this. I can't tell you because no one knows exactly when the son's going to come back for the church. But I can tell you this. There's much excitement in heaven right now. <laughs> well, praise God. Genesis 3.15 tells us then that I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God, oh, the living word was the one that gave that prophecy to the devil. Now, what I'm saying is part of the revelation is this, is that the one that gave the prophecy to the devil was the very one that went to the cross. It's just God is bigger than our puny concepts. Just let him be God today. How about it? So Satan's head was bruised on the cross. Now, the devil didn't understand this. No, he didn't understand this. Only God had the plan. The devil didn't have the plan. God had the plan. The thing of it is, though, the Savior's heel was bruised on the cross. In other words, he was nailed to the cross, but it gave a death blow to the devil. It stripped the devil of his authority of death. When Jesus arose, he said, All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. That means all power, all authority. Therefore, nobody physically dies until he says. All the souls are mine, saith the Lord. He's still in charge. He's still in control of the human race. Amen. And so... As long as we stay in the will of God, amen, we're going to live out all of our days on the earth. Whether it be 70, 80, or 120, the fact is we're not going to be cut short. Amen. Amen. If we meet God's conditions of faith and grace, there is one other promise, honor your parents. Amen. If you want to live long on earth, you better honor your parents. Amen. Now, I trust everyone does. 
So Jesus had no sin. That's the reason death couldn't hold him. Satan couldn't stop Jesus from coming the first time, and he sure can't stop him from coming back the second time. Amen. Amen. Now I want to go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 today. Praise God. This is what happened when Christ went to the cross. One of the many things that he provided for us. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. The broken Ten Commandments. Which was contrary to us. Yeah. Took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Amen. So that's what the Lord did. He took that which was written against us and nailed it to the cross. It was fulfilled when he gave up the ghost. And when he gave up the ghost, he spoiled principalities and powers. In other words, he made an open show of them. He, he, he made a show of them openly. In other words, he made a fool out of them. He triumphed over them in it. The devil, fallen angels, all principalities, demons, the whole thing, sin, death, hell, all of it. He defeated it. But not for himself, for you and me. So when Christ died on the cross, we died on the cross. When Christ was resurrected, we were resurrected. When Christ ascended, we ascended. When Christ sat down on the throne, we sat down on the throne. Not that we're God, but we're in the body of Christ. Amen. What? Know you not that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? So I'm saying in the mind of God, it's already done. It's already completed. All we have to do is stay in the boat. Now, how many can do that? Amen. And so, he triumphed over all evil in it. In what? In the cross is where the victory was won for our eternal salvation. So that we could receive eternal life from God the Father by the Holy Spirit, but only through the cross. Now, I want to look at Hebrews 9.24 this morning. Hallelujah. For Christ entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are a figure of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for himself. No, for us. Everybody say, you're us. <laughs> Let me read it again. I know you didn't get any sleep. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, but which are a figure of the truth, but into heaven itself. Where did he go? Heaven. Where is he at? Heaven. Why did he go back? To appear there 
in the presence of God for us. He is our representative. He's the mediator, the go-between. And we think about the mercy seat in the tabernacle, but I want to remind us all that Jesus is the mercy seat. If you mess up and sin, he doesn't have to say, now, now Father, please forgive them. Now they're trying. No, huh? No, because your sins have already been paid for. Now don't get off under hyper grace. But I'm saying God provided for our sin, sins to be cleansed, past, present, and future. I look at it this way. If God saved my soul, don't you think he can keep me saved? What about you? Now he must be able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Praise God. That's a done deal. So you and I are eternally secure as long as we choose to stay that way. And I'm not bailing out. No. No place to go. I don't want to go anywhere else. So when he entered into heaven, we did. Well, I'm not there yet. You don't understand the mind of God. God is not in time. We are. We're entrapped in time. God is not. He's eternal. Has no beginning and has no end. So therefore, God can move about in eternity wherever he wants to go in time or anything else. Multidimensional. Praise God. He knows about our future. He knows we're going to mess up. He knows we're going to get into sin. And don't look at me like you're sinless now. Because if you think you're sinless, that's a sin nature talking to you, and it's a lie. Now, I don't teach we're sinners saved by grace. That's not in the Bible. Nope. Not in the Bible. They were called Christians first in Antioch. The Bible calls us saints. Amen. But we're not perfect yet. We're not totally like Christ yet. There's a little polishing up God needs to do. Extract this, replace it with that. Huh? Amen. And so we've got to keep that sin nature crucified. The only one way, the cross. Not formats, uh, gimmicks, programs. Thou shalt not and thou shalt. And if thou shalt not and thou shalt could make us righteous, Christ went to the cross for nothing. We can't keep the law. Don't even try. If you try to keep the law for justification, you are in opposition to the finished work of Christ on the cross and an enemy of the cross. Is that straight enough? You better take heed. Amen. Now drop down to verse 26 of that same chapter, please. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so Christ has totally put away sin for us. How did he do it? He sacrificed himself to the Father God. He had to freely do that because he loved us while we were yet sinners. The Bible says that Christ died for us. 
I don't understand that kind of love. But he came to his own, his own received him not. The Bible tells us. Nevertheless, he loves us, and you know what? Unconditionally. I mean, I don't understand that one. I mean, I can't do anything to make God love me anymore. And I, can't, I cannot not do anything to make God love me any less or vice versa. No matter what. What do or don't do, He still loves us unconditionally. You've got to accept that. We don't have to measure up. Even though we would like to be able to measure up. That's the danger of this communion, receiving communion in the church. We receive communion in the church from time to time. It represents the blood of Christ and the body of Christ for us. Same way with water baptism. If you haven't been water baptized, it's a command, not optional. You need to get water baptized as soon as you can. Because it typifies death, burial, and resurrection that you have received from Christ. Amen. When Brother Heath asked me about the water baptism, why did Jesus have to get baptized? And the Bible says to fulfill all righteousness. But I got to thinking about that. Christ was thinking about his death. Because when you go in the water, it's symbolic of death. On the other hand, when you come up out of the water, guess what? Symbolic of resurrection, to walk in newness of life, so to speak. So we need to understand these things. So Christ was offered to bear the sins. Not only that, the Father God, this was the will of the Father, to give his own son. And he had to die a certain way. 3 p.m. Wednesday, not Friday. About the time they were, they were killing the sacrificial lamb in Judaism, Jesus gave up the ghost at the very second. Because the Holy Spirit told Jesus, listen, the Holy Spirit told Jesus when to do that. He was always perfectly led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. All the way through. Praise God. Now, he represents all believers before God today in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17 now. Okay, are, are, are you following with me a little bit? Don't lie now. You know, these little lies are lies. Amen. Preacher, we just really enjoyed that sermon. Lying like a dog. <laughs> That's a lie. But on the other hand, it wouldn't be edifying to say, we hated that sermon. Hated it. <laughs> Best not to say anything, okay? There'll be another sermon coming around. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make a reconciliation for the sins of the people, which he did. He reconciled us to God. He made atonement on the cross. Amen. The grave couldn't hold him because it was a perfect sinless sacrifice and God accepted the sacrifice of his son. Do you know how I know that? He arose. That's how I know that. I know he arose. You know how? Well, 
He sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. He said, I'm going to go back to the Father. If I don't go back, I can't send the Holy Ghost. But if I go back and I make it back to heaven, I'll send him. And he sent him on the day of Pentecost, and he's still here today. Finishing what Christ started. Christ started the church, and the Holy Ghost is going to wind this thing up. Praise God. So God became flesh for this purpose. In John 1.14 this morning. So he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. Okay. So the Word was made flesh. Now we think about, all right, now, the living Word came from heaven and he uh, took up residence in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That's true. Very true. But that's not all of it. He became flesh and dwelt among us. So he grew up as a child, right? Great grace was upon him. He grew up being human, totally human, and he became a man. He wasn't always a man. He was a little boy. He was a baby. He grew up, 12 years old, he was teaching those in the church. And he grew up as a man. He understood as a man. He walked as a man. He was tired, thirsty, hungry. He had all the characteristics of a human being because God in the flesh was a human being. The only one. He didn't cease to be God. He just simply didn't exercise his attributes as God. He didn't raise Lazarus from the dead as God. He didn't walk on the water as God. Huh? He didn't heal the sick as God. He didn't didn't tell them, hey, go down and catch a fish and you'll find a coin. There'll be a gold coin in there and you go and pay your taxes and my taxes. Amen. That was a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus used spiritual gifts like any spirit-filled believer does today. But Jesus did not speak with tongues. All that upsets some Pentecostals. I can't help that. Jesus did not speak with tongues. Tongues were not given until the day of Pentecost. You know, these sacred cows, I just got to get rid of them. Amen. Tongues interpretation did not come into effect until the day of Pentecost. Now, the other gifts were in operation. Seven gifts in the Old Testament, nine in the New. Any church that rejects the spiritual gifts is not a New Testament church. Any church that rejects apostles and prophets is not a New Testament church. Amen. Because God has taken nothing away. And the warning is, don't you shoulder up to these ministries that take away and add to the Word of God. I don't believe what I say. You go and study yourself. But I've studied a long time, and you know, it's correct. God has given five ministry gifts for the perfecting of the saints. That's why you need to come to church. Don't believe this lie. Oh, I need to go to church. Now I'm okay. No, wait a minute. That's a sin that you're talking to you. We're not to forsake the sin of ourselves together. The next verse says, if we sin willfully, hello, somebody. Amen. Now, we're back up there to the 12th verse of that same chapter. Amen. 
But as many as have received him, a very familiar scripture, but how many have received him? Come on, how many have received him? Just say amen to me. Are you glad about that? But you were in his mind in the dateless past. God told Jeremiah, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew thee. David said, in sin, my mother conceived me. So you see, as many as have received Jesus to them, and I mean only them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now when we say we believe on the name of Jesus, we're taking into account the crucifixion. Because there's no other way to be right with God rather than, other than accepting what he did for us on the cross. And then, it's the cross for our salvation. The blood gives us the victory over sin. Then we have the spirit for the service of God. I'm not going to be able to complete this, so we're going to quit at 12 o'clock. But you'll never succeed without the power of the Holy Ghost. The truth is, Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them betrayed him. Judas went out and killed himself and went to hell. So the Baptists are wrong, sorry. There's no such thing as one saved, always saved. Judas was saved. He was an apostle. He had been given authority to cast out devils, heal the sick, and raise the dead. But he turned his back on Christ for 30 pieces of silver, went out and hung himself, and went to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Amen. And so this suicide spirit, I'm going to tell you something right now, is not from God. Now, I understand how the devil can beat a person down and, you know, no, no reason to live. And, and that's in the rest home. We see it all the time, you know, and it's a sad thing. But it's because of sin. You hear me? It's because of sin. It's not, they're not to blame a lot of times. It's a result of the fall. Then sometimes people do it to themselves because of a life of sin. However it is, the death penalty is still on the human race. I wish it wasn't so, but it is so. Even Christians. Well, yeah. All the disciples were killed, martyred. Great men of God. Wigglesworth, they're all gone. Why? Because we inherited a problem from Adam. We're all aging. It was never God's will for us to age. Say amen now. Never God's will for us to get old. It's a curse. I don't like gray hair. But consider the option. We might as well age gracefully. Right? We may have to take up an offering and buy you a new easy chair, but you know, we can, we can do that. Age gracefully. I'm just now learning what life is all about. I'm learning how to identify with people that are going through difficult situations, hard times, but there's one that knows. He suffered. 
grief, sorrow. He was a man acquainted with sorrows and grief. We esteemed him not. He was stricken of God and smitten, the Bible says, in Isaiah 53. We turned our faces from him. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was God's plan, God's will from the very beginning. Set in motion when Adam fell. It was set in motion. God had a plan. When Adam was driven out in the garden, God says, I'll make a way. And he made the way. And the way of the cross leads home. Let me close with this this morning. In Romans 8 and verse 1, we're just going to quit. There are two laws in effect today. Everybody say two laws. There's only one law that has more authority than the law of sin and death. Only one law. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But then the second verse is the one I want to go to. The law of the Spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the most powerful law on earth. Only one is more powerful. And that's the law of the Spirit in life. The law of the Spirit of life Get this, in Christ Jesus. Only place you can find the law of the Spirit, which sets us free from sin, victory over sin, and purity within, gives us power to live above sin, power to to operate operate on the earth as the Son of God, loose and bind and this and that, so forth and so on, as the Son of God. But that person has to be set free and was set free from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death then is not working in the child of God if we understand one thing. And I mean only one thing. There's only one way to have victory over the law of sin and death. Only one way. The church presents all different kinds of ways. Well, do this, don't do that. Pray, fast, study the word, you know. Go to church, tithe, give money, uh, witness, do all these things, and you know, feed the poor, and give out water and clothes, and you know, treat your neighbor right, and do all these things. And these things are not wrong within themselves. We even get into you know, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. We even get into confession. I'm not going to say this, I'm going to say that. You can, you can get in bondage of a lack of words. And catch yourself. Well, I'm not going to agree with that. Well, I'm not going to agree with you until I find out what you want. Would you pray for me and agree with me? Or well, what are you wanting? I'm not going to agree with anybody until I find out exactly what they want. You know, it might not be scriptural. But I'm saying all these things are good within themselves. But it will not give us victory. You see, for years I thought, well, if I get anointed, if I, if I have the power of the Holy Ghost, I'll have victory. No. Oh, that offends the Pentecostals. 
I'm Pentecostal. I'm charismatic. But a lot of teaching is wrong. Well, I'll just pray in tongues. That'll give me victory. I'll, I'll just, you know, operate spiritual gifts, go around the world and preach the gospel and see thousands saved. That'll give me victory. No, it won't. There's only one thing that'll give us victory over the law of sin and death. Only one thing. And that is the cross. That's the only thing. Now, if we understand that, we can operate in all these things and be more than a conqueror through Christ, but only as you understand the cross. Let's stand to our feet, everybody. Praise the Lord. Made it in 1201. No, it's 12 o'clock by my watch, so I didn't lie. I'm very picky about these white light things. Real picky. Amen. Yes, preachers, a wonderful church service today. Yes, amen. Be careful. One sin could keep us out of the rapture. You hear me? The problem is none of us are sinless yet. I know. But we don't want to be that way, do we? No. What do we need to do? How do I get victory over sin? Well, the cross is the only answer. If we'll accept the fact that all of our provisions have already been set in motion because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, then the Holy Spirit goes to work and brings us what we need. Then we can operate in the anointing. Remember, it's the Lamb first and the dove second. How many got it? If you go to a church that omits the dove, you are not in a New Testament church. This is pretty rough, isn't it? But it's true. Amen. You see, coming to church is not always, well, feeling good, you know, and going home and then back to yourself Monday. No. Church is just what it is. We come together to honor the Lord, to worship a little bit, Holy Spirit moves sometimes. Other times we're taught the word of God, we're preached to, this and that, and we're all growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus, right? So get settled in. Amen. Get settled. Get committed. Get dedicated. You got to make that choice. God won't help force you to make that choice. You need to make that choice. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be part of a congregation. I'm going to submit to authority. Things, your attitude has to change, see. How many want to be taught? See, there's a girl here that's not with us this morning, but she has such a desire put inside of her, and I see that desire. And I told her Wednesday night, God's going to fill that desire for you. It's just a matter of time. You'll be in the right place at the right time, and wham, there it'll be. So it is with us. Your time's coming. Amen.
hope you enjoyed today's message by Dr. R.L. Davis, pastor and overseer of Zionward Ministries International. For more information regarding our ministry and mission, please visit us online at zwmi.com. Once again, that's zwmi.com. Or visit us on Facebook at Zion Word Ministries International. Strong.